3: Hey everyone, it's Tom Quay here, back for the final, yes, final edition of Live Fast Die Ugly, the 100 Reasons Podcast. And up top, I just want to thank again all the great guests on the show, that eight total, that being the core four, of course, of Colin, Larry, Andy Buse and the Andy, plus Blair, Rad and Alan. And altogether, crazily, the podcast, when all the episodes are added together, is more than seven hours. And it really wouldn't be anything without those fantastic people being such terrific, insightful interviews. And at the time of this episode being released, the band's live shows are tantalisingly close, so be sure to grab your ticket. We've got Leeds on Thursday, the 23rd of February, Glasgow, the 24th and Manchester, the 25th. And then the following week, there is Bristol on Thursday, the 2nd of March, which is sold out already. Friday, the 3rd of March is in Birmingham, where I myself will be in attendance. And now this is very important. Saturday, the 4th of March, that was at Brixton. But unfortunately, that has had to be moved, but thankfully not postponed. So it was in Brixton Academy, but now it's happening at the Eventim Apollo in Hammersmith. All the tickets remaining are valid, and new tickets are now available too. So keep that in mind if you're planning on attending that London gig like I am myself. So, yeah, support the band as ever, stream the music, pre order the album, grab some tickets, and all that good stuff. And there is a new song out from Glorious Sunset just as this episode drops. And let's have a listen, it's called So So Soon. Always. And if you've enjoyed my work on the show and want to hear more, be it my Metallica podcast, my Battle Rap interviews, my deep dive celebration of the Royal Family TV show, check out tomquee.com. That's T O M K W E I.com. We'll put all the links down below. Anywho, where were we? Well, in the last episode, we were covering everything about the fourth album. And now we're looking past that and looking towards the future right up until the modern day. So we'll begin with Larry, who's discussing the new era of music that the band were entering post-Quick the Word, Sharp the Action. And how 100 Reasons progressed from then up until right now. For the triumphant return, which we'll get to, like, you know, how was yeah. the kind of aftermath of, I don't want to say running out of steam, but maybe running out of road a little bit? There were, you know, it was like an era of Gallows and Enter Shikari and Bring Me the Horizon, and it was yeah. a different time, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, it was. In fact, we went on tour with Enter Shikari mm. around that time because they, they were all big fans of the band and had the same agent, Rad, and we still do and I remember them offering us the tour and they were like, do you want to come into an ancient car? And we were like, no, their crowd will hate us. <laughs> nothing against those guys, but no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I think they just, they just offered us enough money that we were like, all right, <laughs> you know, like they maybe offered us a couple of grand a night or something. So we would actually make some money as a sport band, which is unheard of. So we were like, all right, we'll do it. And then we did it, and it was terrible. (laughs) Like, which has got nothing to do with them because they're the nicest, nicest guys. But speaking about like meatheads in white trainers and bomber jackets coming to your gigs, their crowd were fucking moronic Mm -hmm. at that time. They were literally the dickheads you see in town that will kick the shit out of you for being a rocker. They were like their crowd were idiots, and we (laughs) just—they hated us. Because we were like, we were like their uncles' mates to them. Do you know what I mean? They're like, what are these, yeah. what are these fucking ACDC looking dickheads <laughs> doing on stage? We just want to throw glow sticks at each other. It was a terrible idea and a terrible match. <laughs> like we were just having shit thrown at us. Nobody cared. We were there. Everyone was just waiting for the Shikari. But you know, Shikari guys love them. Brilliant. Thank you for the tour. But fuck me, not our best. <laughs> not our best time out. <laughs> so you know how
3: how did it kind of dry up and end then was there was there like a proper band meeting or was it just kind of felt natural to just conclude at some point
4: no it, i can't even remember it just sort of slowed down to the point we weren't doing anything anymore and everyone went off and do it to do other things hmm. and you know then at some point I, the, you know the gig offers just stopped coming in and then everyone was just off doing their own thing um I remember there was one point where we sort of kept a big yellow storage lock-up going for a while, which shit was. Yeah. I remember there was one point that we finally, you know, this thing was costing us a few hundred quid a month, and at some point it was like, well, there's no there's no money left to pay for this. So we had to go and sort of break that up and move it to various sort of places of people's houses, and that felt like the kind of end for me that weekend where we did that. That was like, okay, right, well, there's now no... There's that's that was the only thing that could have resembled a headquarters, and that's now done. So, that that probably felt like the end point to me it was a was disbanding the lockup, <laughs> something so you know normal and mundane. Yeah, spelled the end of the band. Yeah, if only the uh, <laughs> if only
3: the Twickenham Studios were still available, maybe you could have uh, yeah, commandeered that.
4: Yeah,
3: and then I mean, yourself, obviously, you're now in production full-time and working with some incredible bands and that just grew out of this kind of disbandment did it that kind of moved on from that
4: it did it was something i very i really desperately wanted to do once the band ended although i don't think i'd really got 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 myself into a position where i could do it at that point so i started getting into producing bands immediately after 100 reasons ended uh but it was probably just a bit too soon for me afterwards like nothing really stuck i made a few records but it wasn't really going anywhere it certainly wasn't paying me enough money so I started at that point doing live sound events um, which I found myself to be quite good at so I was out doing front of house for bands on tour um, ended up, I did, did a few gigs with hard fire Remember them? Like I was in J- J- of Japanese. Of course, hard them. fire Yeah, um, Stars of CCTV. Yeah, Stars of CCTV. So I did that, but 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 after a few years, by the time I finished doing front house, I was doing Lana Del Rey, in Australia and China tour, and some quite decent stuff. Yeah, but generally found it to be a little bit unsatisfying. And, you know, that was probably the time in my life where I was, the band had just ended. I wasn't feeling great about that. I was on tour doing live sound. I was surrounded by people who were at, at, let's say, a more optimistic point in their career and was finding that quite hard to deal with. So, you know, I was earning better money than I ever, ever had when I was in the band by being out on tour was meeting really good people having a good time but was generally a little bit unsatisfied with the whole thing yeah um and really really wanted to get back into producing records uh so yeah after a few years ago i just basically quit stopped started saying no to gigs which is a very very difficult thing to do when you're (laughs) self-employed went back to earning no money for a year or so and uh sort of threw myself headfirst first into the producing. Uh, and that was probably 10 or 11 years ago now, maybe a bit more. Um, and thankfully, this time it, it stuck, which is great.
3: <laughs> and what about the future of the band then? 100 reasons. Like, I mean, I know you guys regrouped and, you know, have even been writing new material. Obviously, we've got the tour on the horizon as well. Like, yeah. how, did, how did that happen? Was it like just a, you know, Simple text, or... Obviously, you guys were still kind of cordial, I suppose,
4: like... Yeah, we're still cordial. I mean, we don't, like, hang out, but, you know... And Colin and the Andy carried on doing their acoustic gig thing... Yes. ...when we weren't doing anything. I've always been the... Well, me and Andy Buse have generally been the naysayers when things get offered. I mean, Andy, because he lives in America, and just, you know, he's a bit removed from the rest of us anyway. Um, and me, just because... You know, I don't want to do 100 Reasons stuff unless it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm fair play to them for, for doing acoustics and stuff like that, but that's not me. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, so, you know, I want to do it if we're doing a tour and doing something cool and there's going to be loads of people there. That's That's the marker for me. <laughs> so there was a bit of talk around... Doing just a solitary gig at Brixton Academy. This is a few hours of COVID and whatever. Mm. Um, so I know Colin was talking to the agent about it, and then I got wind of it somehow. I think maybe Colin even got to, I can't remember. And I was like, well, are we going to do one gig? And then we just started talking about it, and then it spiraled into doing more than one gig, doing a tour, then it was just like, well if we're going to do it we need to have a reason to do it so why don't we try and work on some new material and that very quickly spiraled into making a record which i don't think i was really expecting was going to happen to be honest um because it's been so long since you tried to make any music and i've always been quite daunted by the prospect of making a hundred reasons record because i know how much work goes into it so um we just started doing a few tentative evening writing sessions because obviously you know like we were older now we've got our own jobs and Colin and Andy have got kids and Mm. you know time is more precious when you're in your 40s. Um, So we just do these little writing sessions where Colin would come to my studio in Brixton. Maybe once or twice a week at points, or maybe even just once or twice a month, but he'd come over for these little evening writing sessions and we'd be there for probably two or three hours at a time. And in those two and three hours, in those two or three hours, we would attempt to write a song basically in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the time we would manage it. We would come up with a song or at least something, you know, the, the, the form of a song or, or most of the idea or something that without too much work could, could be complete. And what I loved about that in stark contrast to the, the sort of mess that was the creative process of our fourth album, it brought that inst- it brought the instant feel back to everything. It brought instincts back in it. It brought things being quick and, and mm-hmm. having purpose. And, and we basically would write a song every time we got together for two hours and if it was shit we'd just trash it and if it was good it made the record um and we didn't dwell on anything for too long which is how creatively we were always at our best um and so in that way even without really realizing it we wrote nearly 20 songs in probably over about a six month period um and you know half of them have gone directly in the shredder where they belong but what we ended up with was 10 really really strong tracks which we've made a record with which which is one of my favorite albums we've ever made <laughs> uh which is not something i was ever expecting to say about a new 100 reasons album
3: i i'm so hyped to hear it and you know how are you guys <laughs> feeling about the tour itself like going on a Fully fledged jaunt that was delayed, but you know is now imminent-ish. <laughs> well, um when's this coming out? By the way. Um. Yeah. No. I probably closer to the tour, to be honest with you.
4: So not for a little while.
2: Okay. Mm.
4: Well, the, I've the the tour is still happening and it's still moving, but I've thrown a spanner in the works by the fact that me and my girlfriend are expecting a baby.
1: Oh, congrats! Um,
4: and oh. thank you very much. But we're expecting it on the seventeenth of February, which until previous until now was going to be the first date of the tour. <laughs> so <laughs> um so we're moving the first two dates I think just to afterwards we're keeping most of it the same. Um so yes it is still going to happen though. So yeah, my feelings about the tour have been mixed up in that a little bit recently, but I'm like am I excited about the tour? Yes, I am excited about the tour. Um I'm not prepared for it yet let's say, but I will be near the time. It's something I've been making the record. I've been worrying about that. The tour is like the next thing I'm worried about. And I'm probably not going to start worrying about that for another month, but we are starting to talk about the production and everything. I just need to get on with learning the songs. But, um, yeah, I am excited for it. I'm excited to be doing it as heroes. Um, I'm excited to be doing Brixton again. I feel that when we did Brixton Academy last time, we were like rabbits stuck in headlights. I think we were terrified of the occasion And I don't think any of us enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to doing that and enjoying it. Because we will enjoy it this time. So that's going to be really good. That's all I can really think about it for now. I don't know if we're going to play any new songs. I don't know what the set's going to be. We have started talking about it. And I guess we'll call it nearer the time. I guess we'll see how the new stuff goes down. Because we would like to play new stuff. But we also very, very much realise what people are there to see. And what people have paid their money to see. And it's not new songs what I want it to be is a a celebration of everything that we've done weighted in favour of the stuff that's popular but it needs to be a celebration um, and possibly a good send off because I'm pretty sure we won't do something like this again
3: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm going to be there and I live in Birmingham and thankfully the Birmingham show is actually on a Friday so uh, yeah
4: well, oh. I don't, I don't, I don't, well you know You'll notice they're all on weekends. Oh, they are, of course. I didn't even. Yes. <laughs> Classic returning band. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, that's returning sense. band. Yeah, we, we've all got jobs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to find it hard to sell tickets on a Monday. So yeah, yeah. It's just three heads in a row. No, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs>
3: Andy Bues now giving his thoughts on the band wrapping up and their triumphant return after the fourth record. Then scenes were changing, and you know tastes were shifting, and priorities were differing. How do you remember the band sort of coming to a close? Because obviously it didn't really end in some sort of you know grand dramatic fashion. It just seemed to have kind of spooled out, I guess, naturally.
1: It did. Um, if memory serves me correctly, we kind of we kind of fizzled out. Actually, we we sort of. The fourth, the fourth album, uh, as a whole, was a little bit of a, a, I don't know. It was, just, it was a little bit of a downer, really. And I think by the time we'd done that and it had been released, and we'd done a tour, and we'd we'd sort of we'd gone to Japan, we'd come back, we'd done a few things with other bands. I think it just kind of everything had lost its its appeal. I think at that point, and I just don't think we, I don't think any of us particularly wanted to be in the band anymore. Um, other members of the band may say differently to that, but I think that it just got to a point where we weren't really we weren't really doing it anymore does that does that make sense yeah. yeah we weren't our hearts weren't in it i suppose and and I think our attentions had gone on to other things um all of us had drifted drifted in separate places and um yeah, so I think it kind of it did it just kind of fizzled out really i don't there was no point. In it, where we were kind of, you know, we didn't have a massive argument and then that was it, and we all walked off. Nothing like that happened. I think we literally just stopped rehearsing <laughs> and then I think we just stopped playing gigs and, th- and that was it. And we kind of just went off and it's, it's we just sort of ceased to exist. And it was a, it was kind of, kind of strange, really. I don't remember any particular point in which we sort of sat there and said, right, well, let's not be a band anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think it actually happened. And we, we did have these little, I mean, that would have been late 2007, I suppose, two thousand early 2008, I suppose, where we would have done a tour and that would have been it. And then we would have gone off and done other stuff. You know, we all, I think we all stayed within the music industry, but we just went off and worked in different places, did different things. And I think we came back and did maybe one more tour, uh, just a little tour of the UK. And then I think after that, that was that. And we didn't, I don't think we really even spoke about the band for a good few years after that. I mean, we were, we were still friends. I mean, I, I used yeah. to hang out with London all the time in London. We we lived in London, so we'd always hang out um, and we'd always talk. And the Andy went off to be in, he, he was in a few bands. I think he's, he's one of those people that just, he's brilliant. And he just can play in any band, and he he does so. You know, yeah, really yeah. Good. I mean,
3: Freeze the Atlantic, and then Raging Speed Horn, Crazy Outfits, and it's yeah. kind of it's kind of credit to you guys, isn't it? That all four of you post the band went on to really interesting stuff. Like you know, we spoke. To, I spoke to the guys individually about this, but like we just mentioned, Andy and then uh, Larry in production, and then Colin moving more into kind of academic, you know, music industry kind of circles, which which yeah. is great. And um, and let's just talk about yourself briefly. Um, because you you move more into the live
1: industry game, is that right? I did. You know what? After after we'd finished, I I've, I did feel a little bit lost for a moment because we'd spent, I guess, the best part of ten years being in in a band. And you're kind of it's all it's it, it's all consuming, really. You kind of mm. you know you're just that's what you're doing. And so, I remember thinking to myself, "Well, what am I going to do now?" I suppose I would have been about twenty seven at the time, or twenty eight, something like that. Um, and a friend of mine actually just suggested why don't I become a drum tech <laughs> since I know about drums you know I've been playing drums forever and I knew how to tune them and things like that And I, <clears throat> I think within about a month I was, on a, I was on a tour as a drum tech and it was as quick as that really I, I think someone said well this band needs a drum tech and you get paid and you know you have to set up the drums and tune them and clean them and stuff and I was sort of thinking wow you know I could do that and I, I really enjoyed it. And I went on from there. I drum teched for quite a few bands. I went on from there to be, uh, as I went into set carpentry. So I started building mm. uh, sets for bands. And um, <clears throat> from there, I went on to show calling, you know, a bit of stage managing, just all sorts of things, really. it's. I'm very, very um, fortunate that, that being in 100 in Reasons, it was almost like kind of setting up for, what came afterwards you know when you're in a band you you make a lot of contacts and um yeah so I went to behind the scenes of the music industry and I'm still there to this day I still go and work for uh for bands and I, I, lo- I really lo- I really enjoy being being this side of it you know it's a different there's a different set of pressures involved but it's it's really nice to still be involved in music and still be involved in the live the live arena, as it were, and and with then... artists such as Queen, right? Yeah, I'm lucky enough oh. to work, work with Queen. Yeah, <laughs> how how did you know that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit crafty googling around, but I mean, you know, I think who else have you worked with? If you don't mind me asking, because I know there's like a gallery of stars there.
1: Yeah, I've worked, I've done a lot of work for um, so I've worked for Pearl Jam, um, oh. Calvin Harris actually, the DJ. Yeah. I've, Built some of his uh, DJ Rises, which is cool. Uh, I've done some stuff with oh, all sorts of artists. Like I can't even remember now. There's so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's really nice. You know, actually, one of the, my most fond memories is uh, you know the band the Kooks. Mm, yes, of course. So I was I was the drum tech for the Kooks as they were kind of cl- climbing the ladder to stardom, and that was that was actually really lovely because. They, were, I think, they'd released a, their first record, and they were kind of going to release their second record. And I became their drum tech. And watching them do kind of what we'd done ten years earlier yeah. then, was actually really nice because they went from playing kind of smaller clubs to playing really big venues, and they were, and it, they they were kind of like really enjoying themselves. And it was it was nice to see it from a different point mm. of view, from sitting behind the drums as opposed to on the drums. Um, and that's that's kind of nice. And I, I think that. I think that um going on from there, working with sort of huge arena bands, I worked with Muse for a, a bit as well. Um uh, Muse obviously were old friends of ours, so that was quite nice. Yeah,
3: you you beat them but... at the Kerrang Awards way back when, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they went on to do some good things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little. Yeah, so I I did some work with them. Um and it's it's I I just love being in music. I think ever since like I like I said, ever since I walked into Wembley Stadium on that day in 1992, mm. I knew that I just wanted to to be involved in music any which way I could be. I, kn- I knew that that was for me. And so even doing the work I do now, behind the scenes, is just as rewarding as it is being on the drum set um, and playing in front of all those people. I, I still love building shows for people and I just love the industry. I just love music. You know, it's, it's a part yeah. of me. I think it's, yeah, it's just who I am. I think there's um, a lot of people like that. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to um, to be working in music still after all these years, 20, 22 years or something being touring. Um, it's great. Yeah. Very thankful for that.
3: And of course, you know, the band are set to return. We've got the new record as well in the yeah. pipeline. Like, really exciting. Oh, yeah. And like, ha- how did that happen from your point of view? Like, how did that all come together?
1: It's quite funny, so we've always been buddies, you know, we've always taught, I don't, I can't remember exactly how it happened now, but during uh, lockdown, we sort of started all talking on Zoom as buddies, like we do. Mm. I I think that someone had said, my memory is so foggy with this, but well, we were gonna do some sort of tour. Like I think Colin had brought that to the plate. Like, what? Let's do a tour in in like next year or whatever. This is before before uh, lockdown. And um, I think we all thought, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's let's do a tour. We haven't done anything for a while. And then lockdown happened. And I think that then Colin and Larry maybe started talking about writing writing some new songs. Hmm. And I think they 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 had the jam one night and came up with a song and sent it to uh, the me and Andy and it was really good and I was sort of thinking wow yeah this is actually quite good so then we sort of discussed via a zoom call like should we try and write some more music because we, we didn't really have any thoughts beforehand on writing new music together that wasn't a plan um and it became a plan because they all started jamming over there I live in I live miles away now so um I wasn't right there in London so that what they were doing is they were writing and sending me what they'd come up with like these little kind of really rough demos and I have a drum set at my house and I'd, I'd kind of just play what I thought would be good for it and then send it back and blah 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 and we started I was amazed on how good how good it was having not written anything in oh, what 15 maybe 16 years these new f- songs they sounded so fresh it sounded to me, it sounded really hundred reasons because it does sound like hundred reasons because Colin's singing. You know, Larry's playing yeah. guitar and he's playing bass. So that's, you know, that's the, it, it kind of just sounded like hundred reasons to me, but it sounded like a fresher version. And I, I I sort of became really excited about it. I was thinking, this is great. You know, maybe we should do something here. And as the songs progressed and they started building and we started doing better, demos and demos, demos, it became a sure thing. You know, we were, we were, talking to our management and we were sort of like yeah i think we're, we're going to do a record let's yeah let's do a record and that's how it came about as far as i was concerned it was um it was almost a uh not planned thing that just came about and now we're very pleased that it did because <laughs> it's all it's really exciting now and I, I think we've 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 written genuinely a very very good record and i'm very proud of it i think we're all very proud of it and um really excited to, to release new music and really excited to get back out there and do some do some touring and, after you know, all these years.
3: Well, yeah, and uh, we haven't really touched on this properly yet, but we mentioned this to other people. You are obviously overseas. You're you're in America. You're recording this in America. So, how is it working in terms of the rehearsals? We're recording this in kind of late November, so I'm guessing yeah. that's going to be happening soon. Or,
1: well, I I so I have um I have a drum room set up in my house over yeah. here, and so I I basically sit there with headphones on like i did when i very first started playing drums drumming to that nirvana nevermind record i'm doing that again but with our own records <laughs> <laughs> it's gone full circle for me i'm in, on my own in my drum room yeah uh rehearsing by myself to to the songs and then eventually i'm gonna we'll i'll go over to the uk and we'll we'll do you know, we'll do a bunch of rehearsing with all of us together and then we'll go out there yeah so i i there was a period of time, I, I mean, I didn't play drums for maybe, I would say like about eight years, actually. I didn't mm-hmm. even sit behind a drum set and I've been, um, yeah, the last sort of year or I suppose the last two years, I've had a drum drum room set up and I've been playing around again and I've kind of re- rediscovered my uh, fondness for the drums and um, I've really been enjoying it. So yeah, by the time the the tour comes around, I'll be match fit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it's it's crazily been about it's been more than eight years since your last show, which is at Sonosphere. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Well I didn't I didn't play that show. Oh you didn't? Um, okay. No, my good friend uh, Joe from Hellers for Heroes stepped in and played a right. couple of gigs for me. Right, uh, right. that was quite funny funny one because we did we did these reunion no, we did anniversary shows maybe ten ten years ago, I suppose Uh, which did the forum and manchester academy and things like that and that was the last gigs i played with with 100 reasons and then i remember larry phoning me up saying that they had been offered sonosphere and could i do it And i couldn't do it i had I, i had other i had to go and do other things and so uh yeah they asked if joe could do it And joe's a fantastic drummer he's brilliant and so he phoned me up actually and was like, "Oh, do you mind?" And I was like, "Mate, do it. You're you're great. You'll do it. You'll do a great job." Yeah. And we're very very old friends. Um, yeah, Joe and myself. So we go back a long way. So I was quite happy for him to sit sit there and play drums for me for a couple of gigs. And he, uh, I, I hear he did a really good job. So, so there it is. Yeah. So that's good. But I, I'm yeah, I'm glad to be um, playing these uh, these these shows. And of course, like you said, it's my vitriol and Hellas for Heroes playing too, and we're all old buddies. So it's going to be, it's going to be so. Oh, much it's a fun. dream
3: lineup, isn't it? For like it I guess a for a hundred reasons, fan. I mean, it is just like kind of, it, it, yeah. you know, it's equivalent to like the GNR show that you went to. It's a similar sort of trivium of legends kind of coming together.
1: I mean, yeah, I guess if you were into sort of heavy guitar music in <laughs> yeah. the early two thousands, this is the gig to be at. Yeah. <laughs>
3: and let's hear from Rad now speaking about the band's reunion from a management perspective. You know, finally now the band are obviously coming back, which is incredibly exciting. Um, you know, how did that gestate on your end like? Well, you know, we we done obviously
0: we done a kind of uh a sort of comeback
3: tour mm. previously.
0: Uh I mean not, you know, but that was in 2012 mm. and we put a run of dates together and uh we were doing the forum in London, um, and when we got to the point of actually announcing the dates and the shows, it just it sold out so quickly. It sold out in you know I think in the in the space of about you know an hour, we'd sold all the tickets, sure. um, which was a lot. Well, more of a was I mean it was you know it it was quicker than any of us anticipated. We then added a second night at the Coronet in South London because we couldn't get another night at the forum. Uh, and that sold out too so there was obviously a huge demand there it was really, and it was great and they were they were brilliant shows really really good and so I think we on this time round we probably had a little bit of a bit more of an inkling obviously the time's gone as well and as time's gone on I think the band have become more important and I think that they, they the uh the respect and legacy that's been left behind them particularly for ideas above our station has mm-hmm. just kind of grown and I think that um so having a focus on that for for doing more shows later on, it's great because it gives you an opportunity for not just the people that saw them back in the day to be there, but new fans as well and people that have discovered them, you know, as 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 it's kind of as time's gone on. So I think with it, you know for for us them having new material out, which is absolutely fantastic, yeah. really really excited about that, and the shows which are going to be absolutely brilliant. It's great. It's a really really good time. So yeah, feeling good. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and um, I mean, obviously, unfortunate that there were slight delays with the touring and and, and such, but that's just part and parcel of the modern world, I
0: guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's just what touring is these days. Instead of (laughs) us like, uh, you know, strategizing and thinking about when we're going to do something and book a tour, Mm -hmm. what we do is now we book a tour and then we book a tour again and we book the same tour four or five times in a row um, until we've just punched ourselves in the face repeatedly for (laughs) four years.
3: It's great fun. And I mean, I know nothing's set in stone, really. And obviously, we've got this UK tour that we're building towards 2023. If you listen to this, get your tickets if you haven't already. I certainly have. Like, is there scope, perhaps, to go overseas in the future? Because the 100 Reasons are popular in many territories.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, obviously, in terms of what you were saying about touring and the fact that this has been knocked on, that's relative and it and it it is a thing it's like you know the costs of touring are somewhat higher they're they're definitely there and it's you know i i think that there's there's scope for us to do some things overseas definitely but i think they would need to be cost effective and you know so i think we just need to look into it we had certain territories where the band were strong but uh You know, and I think there's definitely scope for revisiting there. And I think there's an enthusiasm from the band as well. Mm. So I think we'll just take it a little bit day, day by day and just see how things develop. And as opportunities present themselves, if everyone can get themselves in order and feel like they do it, they want to do it, then great. We'll take it further. I mean, you know, to be coming back in and having putting your flag in the ground and having a start point of being a sold out show at Brixton Academy for your London show. It's pretty fucking robust, honestly, and I think that's a, that's a good statement and it puts you in a good stead. And if they want to do more, well, fuck it. yep, yeah, let's do more.
3: The Andy now sharing his thoughts on projects after the band and the band themselves returning to the fold. You know, give me the broad strokes here. Like, how did the band start to sort of wind down after the fourth record? Because, you, you know, you kept going for a good time and then it just kind of, you know, slowly stopped.
6: Well, it was funny enough, it was not too long. Uh, it was not too long after Quick The Words had actually come out that um, lightning striking twice, um, our label got bought out by a bigger label. And so then that bigger label, what they did was they cherry picked all the biggest artists and then just fogged off everybody else. So we found ourselves labelless again. <laughs> And by that point, we literally is. I kind of think like all of us had got to a point where really like you know what, sod it. I just want to try something. I want to do something else. So there was no like issues with any of the band members together or anything like that. Literally, I think we just it was we we realized at that time was like you know what, it's time to maybe do something else. Like um, we went for a little bit longer. I think it was like two thousand nine was the last little tour that we did. And I was still, that was a hell of a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but, you know, like it was kind of like you could feel it was a bit done by that point, really. So, yeah, we kind of just went off and did other things. And, you know, you still talk to each other all the time. <laughs> so, and it's always lovely to, you know, I always loved seeing the guys and when I, when I could and stuff like that. And I used to live a lot closer to Colin. And we'd see each other occasionally and stuff um yeah so it's just one of those things it kind of sort of it it kind of went out with little bit like a whimper like it was no crash bang wallop it was a kind of like well i I don't even feel like it even went it went out really the the flame never fully went out it was like we never said oh i don't want to do this band anymore it was more like it was like a um Spoken thing where we're just going, Well, let's just do some other don't do, let's all just go do other things. You know, Larry had really got into his producing sort of thing and you know, had already produced a few records and was on his way to you know, being like the big shot producer he is today. <laughs> um, Colin went off and did some other stuff. Um, Busy basically essentially walked straight off, well, straight off the road with us, I think, straight on to backline teching for other people yeah like i think instantaneously i think he did so and then i obviously i went off and started. Uh, fr- freeze the, the atlantic right it was freeze the atlantic yeah it was with uh john and guy from ruben so who they ruben had just split up at that time so it was one of those sort of oh i know those guys they're local to me why you guys want to start something new they're like yeah okay so it was like it was kind of more not so much any kind of plan to do anything major. It was just, it was going back to the mentality of like, just want to play music. I just want to enjoy playing music. So we started doing, you know, that band and, you know, I managed to get three, three very good records out of that band. You know, we did 10 years and three albums and I'm proud of all three of them. So, and there, there was diff there were different to, what the 100 Reasons stuff is and that's a good thing because I think very much 100 Reasons is the sum of the parts you know of all four of us so
3: yeah what what sort of style how would you compare the sound of the band to 100 Reasons in any way is there any sort of legacy there from
6: that day or well obviously like because I had my I always had my musical input to the band mm. with 100 Reasons and I did the same with Freezy Atlantic although I had moved back to guitar for Freezy Atlantic Uh, but I still you know when I wrote a lot of songs I still did it on guitar even with 100 Reasons so so there was definitely the element there of all the stuff that I brought to the table you know and but it was definitely a different band you know like um, Guy is a very technical drummer and a lot you know he's quite he can pull off some fancy stuff (laughs) so it's like there was you know stuff that we would not normally do that that I would never have done with 100 Reasons because Uses very much more of the Dave Grohl sort of meat and potatoes, just solid as a rock, sort of yeah, sort of drummer and
3: dependable. All
6: the all the better for it, but like yep. so, him and Guy were like two completely different type of drummers, and like it's amazing how much of a difference just having a different style of drummer makes to the sound of a whole band. But I was I was you know we did that for ten years, and I was really really proud, um, really proud of that. So It's then Raging Horn, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so who who um, we didn't really
3: mention on our little chat but you know we're kind of very much in the same orbit as you guys your same award ceremonies early on that sort of stuff
6: yeah we met them really early on um they started like a year before us really and we'd crossed paths so many times and it was like proper like every time we saw we, we saw each other it was like hey and it was just like a good laugh yeah yeah always hanging out and just we kind of, as bands, like we just got each other, you know, like we mm-hmm. like both of them, you know, both bands like to drink, maybe not quite as much as Speedhorn, but like, you know, like we, you know, we like to have a good time, you know, as you do. Yeah. So it was quite funny. Like for me, it was like I just finished playing with Freezy Atlantic. And then you have that sort of sitting there going, so what am I going to do with myself now, you know? Like, do I do it in this different band? or do, do this? I don't know. Like, I'm still, you know, I'm, you know, I'm very much in the mentality. I'm never going to stop playing music, you know, in some form or another. So you're always like thinking, what am I going to do next? Sort of thing. Yeah, both the guitar players, raging speed, quit roughly about the same time. Like that's what at the same time, roughly about that time. So like, I spoke. I've been, you know, I talked to Gordon quite a lot, even before then, sort of the Gordon the drummer. And I was there, I said to him, Oh I mean, like I just it's shame about you your guitar players. Like uh I'd be stupid if I didn't sort of throw my keys into the into the the bowl just to help you guys out. And uh, you know, being mates and stuff like that. And then he was like, oh yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be great. And then they did um uh, it was an anniversary show like 20 years of the band or something and so they got me down and Frank was just like, you're coming to join our band, you're going to be in a band. I was like, I'm going to help you guys out, I think. <laughs> you know, like, just see how it goes sort of thing. And then the next thing I hear is that, oh, they did a post up, oh, Jim, who was in the band, but quit the band, has decided to come back. Um, Or maybe his press gang thing's coming back again, but like either way, he's back in the band. And there's a guy called Dave that joined the band on guitar. So I was like straight away message Gordon saying, oh, I'm really glad you guys sorted out all the best and stuff like that. And then about a week later, I get a text message of Gordon going, uh, have you still got all your bass stuff? I was like, why? Because <laughs> 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 at the time I didn't realise that their bass player had also quit. So, yeah, hilarious Hilariously, so I originally put my name forward to help them out on guitar, and ended up playing, being like helping them out on bass. And (laughs) it's uh, I was always mentally like, I was like, I'm just going to help you guys out for a little bit, you know, just as a mate sort of thing. And then I remember the second gig we played, it was like Birmingham Academy for some festival. I can't remember what it was. Some festival was like really busy. Like there's a main room in Birmingham Academy, really busy. Crowd were yeah. going off. But halfway through the set I went, oh sod this. So I walked over to Frank, just went, I'm in. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> so there's actually video footage on YouTube where it's just like of that of that gig. You know, Frank, they just hear Frank going he's in, he said, he's in, he's in. <laughs> so it was so yeah, that's yeah, been interesting to be to be playing with them though. Although I I, I very much come from like a, you know, back in the day I was all about pretty you know, loud metal bands, you know, like it was all about metal. You know, I listened to nothing but death metal for about two years when I was a teenager, so mm. you know, um but, you know, bands like Opthrow and Carcass and you know make it slightly lighter like Pantera, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> I just loved, you know, just it just needs to be like just full on and you know, bands like in are definitely my jam. So it, it, all those sorts of things. So funny enough, doing speed to one. And I was always like, for years, I was always like, oh man, I really need to get some like just a filthy dirty metal band going, just so I can just play metal. Because yeah. you know, we, we had sort of snippets of like metal with uh sure with a hundred reasons like, little bits and bobs where it went, like, really light. And it's, yeah, it's the thing, like, Colin's got a great voice, but he's also got, like, an incredible sort of screaming voice, just, like, pure volume. It's brilliant. It's like, don't stand too close when he's going, going, full, like, full pegs for that. But, uh, so it's a shame we didn't do anything more sort of shouty, but, you know. Uh, so, yeah, finding myself then joining... Raiding Speed Tour, not only with our mates, but I was like, "Oh, great! You get to play sort of filthy Mel. So it kind of like it's definitely scratching that itch <laughs> for me. We're in a, in, a, in a beautiful beautiful way, and you know, yeah, it's just, it's enjoyable. It's different. It's nice to do different things. It's like it keeps other it keeps everything fresh for you. I think.
3: I mean, finally going back to the same things. I mean, how how did the reunion happen? you know, recording the record, the tour, that sort of stuff? Was it just an inevitability, do you reckon?
6: Well, we never said, like, always, like, never say never. And we'd done their 12-year, sort the 10-year uh, anniversary shows, and they'd been so, they'd been, they have been amazingly successful, and we were literally flawed, utterly flawed by the reaction that we got from those shows. And it's kind of funny, because i played, <laughs> at that point, I'd been playing for a little while with Freezy Atlantic and enjoying myself with that. But, you know, like I'd be the first person to admit not really playing to the biggest crowds. So going back to playing that again and playing this big old crowd, and she walked out in front of this massive crowd going, oh my God, <laughs> I forgot what it was like to stand in front of this many people again, sort of thing. And, it, you know, it really brought it home. So, you know, at one point, Uh, not you know a couple of years ago we had the conversation like you know oh maybe we should try you know see what happens you know and you know larry had his studio in brixton so we would try to go down and see how it came came out and the first sort of writing session that we had like we came away with a song that actually is on the album i won't say which song it is but is actually it's made its way on the album. And like it was like all of us went, wow, this actually is you know, we're not, we're not just sort of old dudes basically just sort of trying to recapture something. Like there's actually something here, you know, mm. like like we've actually we could actually do something decent, you know, because none of us were in any kind of mentality of just sort of going through the motions or just trying to play on the nostalgia or anything like that like it had to be good you know for us to be interested in the want to do anything like anything new and stuff that. Uh, because it was never anything about like us as me- us as people you know like we'd always always kept in contact and we were always still close as members so it was just so that part was never a problem there's never like we had to sort of some bands and to like rebuild. You know, rebuild bridges just to make something happen. You know what I mean? Like, it, we never had that problem. So it was literally like, it was like a load of mates getting in a room and seeing what happens. And then, luckily for us, what came out of it was like, you know, some, some great stuff. And we we're like, oh, wow. Okay. I guess, <laughs> I guess we've still got it in a way. So, like, so that they kind of steamrolled from there on, really. And so, yeah, interesting.
3: No, <laughs> absolutely. And, I mean, in terms of the rehearsals and getting back into that sort of groove, like the live unit, how's that been going?
6: I'll tell you when we do it, because we haven't done yeah. anything yet. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the biggest sort of hold up, unfortunately, is Mr. Bew's is uh, a resident of California.
3: That's <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> so
6: it's not the easiest of things. In fact, for recording for this new record, he basically had to record all of his drums in a studio in Los Angeles. So and Larry had to be on like like a like um almost like a zoom call doing it that way. <laughs> it was remote, but we made it work. So and um, I think he sort of absolutely nailed all the drums. And this is coming from in his own admission, he hadn't properly touched a drum kit, let alone record or play it properly, like since those anniversary shows. So to the fact that he managed to smash it out of the park like is 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 very much testament to to Mr Buse. so the little champ
3: <laughs> is there any like song in particular that you're looking forward to most to play live
6: well obviously i'm interested to like it was obviously be good to play glorious sunset because it's just a great great mm. song so um you know it's a brilliant reintroduction to this band i didn't realize it was 15 years since we actually released the last records and it didn't even register that so when I, when when it was posted or oh, the first album in fifteen years, I was like, oh wow, really it has been that, hasn't it? So yeah. <laughs> there's 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 a few tracks on there, but like, well, you know, I don't wanna spoil the surprise. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And in our final segment of the whole series, here's Colin with his take on the band's glorious return. I guess, finally then, to conclude, what about the new shows that are upcoming? Obviously, they've been much delayed. You know, I've got my ticket for Birmingham, the 3rd of March, 2023. Can't wait to see you guys finally. You know, how did the organisation come together? And, I mean, obviously, the inevitable delays that have affected it. Like, you know, what sort of impact have they had in general? Like, have you been adding more songs or, you know, only growing tighter?
7: I think it was something that where we we needed to have a reason to play, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, And the whole point was, was to do something probably more about sort of actually play the shows. I think in sort of 20, it's either 2020 or 2021. We were talking about it sort of just before the pandemic. But the thing for us is that if we're going to go and play the shows, we wanted to go out and play the shows because we were all into the idea. But Lara is very much about Well, it's got to be compelling. We've got to have a reason to do it, so on and so forth. So we weren't trying to build it around 20 years of ideas or anything like that. That was never the intention. Although the shows did look like they were going to be in 2022 at one point. The idea was just go out, go out with some friends and stuff. And again, just go out and play some shows and have a really good time. And then the other answer I'm going to give you is that Larry again, We were sort of talking with a booking agent and it's like, well, what can we do? How can we make this into something that's really special and really, really cool? And the the deeper discussions came about the fact that we didn't really want to do like, oh, we haven't done anything for a while. Here's some shows because we need the money. And it wasn't about that. Um, But when we were talking about the shows, what we really wanted to do was go into a writing room together and see how that panned out first mm. so me larry and the andy we did that and it was amazing and it was awesome and we hadn't really seen much of each other we'd hardly talked um really i mean i keep in very regular contact with the andy but andy views i speak to him every now and then and he's great and it's no problem when you do speak to him and it's the same with larry but to sort of sorry sadly like Busey couldn't be in the room because he was in america but we WhatsApped him afterwards and stuff, but we went and we wrote a track and or maybe we wrote two. But anyway, it was incredible and it went amazingly well. And then we realized, OK, we did another session and it was really, really good. And so the initial kind of idea of going out and playing some shows is now understanding that you know, we've written and recorded a new record. that's like I would argue, and this is why I kind of said it earlier in the chat, where Curie Run was best up to a point because the new record that we've written is better than anything we've ever done. Damn. So the confidence is there, for tries to go and play some shows and have a good time but not feel like we're milking an audience but going, we're going out to play these shows because we've got something new to play you and it's really fucking good. So yes. that's kind <laughs> of, the main thing was, was the, the writing was going so well, There was a there was a real sort of, Bonding between all four of us again as well. Everyone was getting on absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, it was like the best music, the best lyrics, the best melodies, is everything that's like, you know, it's it's because no one's stopped being creative. You know, Larry's still a songwriter producer. The Andy writes and plays in Raging Speedhorn. I've done "They Fell from the Sky" um, and stuff like that. So no one's stopped making music, but. What we haven't done is made music together 100 reasons and when that happens something very unique happens and something very special happens and you know when there's no pressure when there's no one breathing down your neck going gotta be done finish it get it sorted that you know that that magic sort of came back and it was easy really easy so when we do these shows in 2023 we didn't we did delay the shows in 2022, because we just couldn't logistically get things together because of COVID. We had too many people that would get sick and then you had to try and find someone else and they couldn't do it or something, you know what I mean? It was so much of a nightmare to make it happen that it, it wasn't gonna happen. So we had to just make that difficult decision to push it to 2023. But what it has done is, is you know, because we were already writing the record, um, but now it's kind of in its finishing stages as I speak to you on this particular date. And yeah, it's pretty special. So it gives a bit of meaning to, to doing what you're doing.
3: And, you know, finally, then, you you know, one of the really cool things, I mean, obviously you've been in 100 Reasons, Activision, and now you work kind of, you know, I guess on the sort of educational, you know, uh, yeah. scholastic side, uh, you know, on the business side for production students and performance students in London. And like th- that must be so cool as well. Like, do do any of your students, like, talk about 100 Reasons? Does that come up or? Not
7: too much right. um and, and really it's because you know that the students that i currently teach you know a lot of them are electronic dance music sure. creators um so it's not necessarily their world and it's something i don't like to throw at them either no <laughs> um but they do they, they are great students and they do respect what i've done Um, because that's kind of the point that's kind of why you're in the job and you're teaching that because you've been there and done that and you've got the experience and you're keeping up to date with it now so that's kind of the thing so they do have respect for what I've done Um, but generally what I normally do is I normally leave the students you know with a little bit of what I've done and then if they want to go and find out a bit more then they can
3: So there you have it, guys. That is the final edition of Live Fast, Die The 100 Reasons Podcast. Well, I say final edition. I mean, this is the story, essentially. This is the history of the band that we're done with. But there is more coming, as this episode made clear. So potentially there'll be something in the future, perhaps, at a gig. You know, we're still working out the details of that in particular. And, you know, I still need to talk about the music more in depth. And lots of people have emailed me, lots of fans have got in touch with me, and it's great to hear from you as well, I appreciate that. Lots of people sending their memorabilia, sharing their memories. So it would be good just to do an episode probably reading through some of those emails as well and getting more of a fan perspective on 100 Reasons. So yeah, we will be doing more stuff, but this is in effect the close of their story up until the modern day. And it's been a real joy to put together. I, again, want to say a huge shout out to all of the people that I interviewed on the show, everyone that's been listening, uh, so recordings as well, everyone at the label. It has just been, it's been so fun, really, putting it together. And, you know, it's been so great as well to put it out there and to have had such a good response. So as ever, this has been Tom Quay. It's com if you want to help support me. And go support the band as well. Get tickets, pre-order the album, Save the songs to your playlist, tell a friend, share a video, anything, you know, just get the word out there because we all know how amazing this band is, but more people, more people need to know that as well. So yeah, this has been Tom, I guess just thanks to 100 Reasons as well for being such a legendary outfit and and making this podcast what it is. So yeah, go back through the archive, listen to all the episodes again, and until then, bye.